welcome to I'll Marry You, a podcast with me, Olivia Coleman, full of tips and tricks from the UK wedding scene, interviews with industry experts, and a whole lot of oversharing. But look, here's the thing, okay, I don't want you to get overzealous, overexcited, overly concerned, but someone has slid into my DMs, okay? And now, I have been a betrothed lady for quite some time. No one's really ever slid into my DMs. It's a new thing for me. I'm not going to say I didn't like it. And just before you get overly upset about the state of my marriage, it was in fact but a listener. Had you there, didn't I? I am such a little trickster today. Um, I had the most incredible message from a listener and I rang my mum and I said, Mum, I just got this incredible message from a listener. I don't even know her, Mum. I don't it's not even you. People listen. People out there listen. Thank you for listening. So the gorgeous um Rebecca Kate. I don't know if that's her real name. Should I even use her real name? Maybe she's really important or a spy or something. You know, because spies have Instagram. Rebecca Kate, gorgeous Rebecca Kate, she said. Hi, Olivia. Just to say, love your podcast. My fiancé and I started listening to it on a trip up to Yorkshire and find it both hilarious and informative. God, you tinker. Though neither of us can now stomach hot chockey. Hope that will pass. (laughs) I was listening to an earlier one today and at one point you say that holding a wedding at home is a lot of work and people don't realise it. And I think this is so true. We are doing a wedding at home in six months' time. Our home, not family home. Oh, God, I just sort of reread that. Your home. Mental. And wondered if you would touch on that in a future podcast or offer any advice, as it does seem a completely different experience to a venue and has its own challenges, both logistically, in the mindset of the guests and how to make it special. Though, thank goodness, I did manage to persuade my partner that we needed a coordinator on the day. So far, it's going okay. Keep doing what you're doing. It's a great listen. You, my darling, are an absolute bloody gem. And that just getting that message made me feel amazing. So I have spoken about venues and I've spoken about um, how to find the perfect venue and the right questions to ask and all that stuff. And I did promise you, you, Rebecca Kate, and all the other 17 people that listen on a weekly basis, I did promise you that I would talk to you about getting married at home. Um, I would like home I keep saying a home like a care home and you know I'm not against that I feel like it would be a quieter crowd but but why not you do you honey boo so hopefully you'll find this helpful uh, on today's episode we are going to talk about the uh, pitfalls and peaks of getting married at home so you know it's not about me okay it's not about me uh, but if it was about me <laughs> Then I would tell you all about my own wedding, wouldn't I? Um, I got married at home. I got married at my um, grandparents' house, which is sort of literally a two-minute drive from my parents' house in the countryside in Herefordshire. Now, I always knew I was going to get married at home. Where I'm from in rural Herefordshire... um, a lot of people get married at home because it's a farming county. A lot of my friends growing up um, came from farming families and lived on farms. Now, to say a farm, (laughs) there's different kinds of farm. Um, In theory, my family farm is a working farm, 
Um, but my dad's been retired since he was about 12. So actually very little work has ever been done on it. Um, but in theory, it is a working farm. So a working farm is not when people say like, oh, I'm getting married in a rustic barn. That's a venue. That's a different thing to like, I'm getting married on a working farm that a family I know own. Like different thing, different, different thing. A, a working farm is is just that. So it is not, I'm talking about the basics. It is not set up for a wedding. It's not set up for a party. It's not really set up to take a piss in a pan, if I'm totally honest, because a working farm ain't so glam, okay? So let's stop that straight away. Lower any expectations you might have of my wedding and then you might be pleasantly surprised. I said that actually when my husband proposed, if you lower all expectations and then you might be pleasantly surprised. So I always knew I was going to get married at home. It was kind of what people around me did. And to me, I knew that I was always very, very lucky to be able to get married at home, to have the space um, and the permission to get married at home. So I got married in our local church, which I have touched upon before. Again, I'm not super duper religious. Don't tell the vicar that. But um, I am very traditional, as you know. And to me, that was where um, where I grew up. That was where my granny used to do the flowers. That's where we went to Christmas services every year. And, and it held meaning for me. It's where both my grandparents are buried. So I knew I, knew I was always going to get married in that church. And then we walked through the gardens into the grounds of the house for... Um, the wedding reception. So to me, getting married at home, even before I was engaged, was like just something that you do. If you can do it, why wouldn't you do it? Why wouldn't you get married at home? Then I started working at wedding venues <laughs> and I realised, oh, that's why you wouldn't get married at home. It was always very awkward when I was working at the wedding venue I was working at before when I was engaged and people would clock my ring, not because it's anything special, but you know, that's just because that's the life space that those those women and those men are in. Um, and so they would clock my ring and be like, oh my God, are you are you getting married here? Oh God, no, 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 absolutely not, no. I'm getting married at home. <laughs> so I'd have to sort of be like, no, no, I'm getting married at home, but don't, you know, don't follow my example. I'm an, I'm an absolute idiot. But in all fairness, I am. And in all fairness, it was a lot of, a lot of work. I tell you now, make no bones about it, people. Getting married at home, hell a lot of work. A hell a lot of work, 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 work. I'll stop it, I promise. It's because I'm wearing gym socks over sports leggings. I think I'm young and hip today, so I'm singing songs like work, 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 work. I even downloaded, I think it's, is it called house music? I downloaded a house music playlist for the gymnasium. <laughs> I was really pumping some iron. I'm going off piste. So before I started working at venues, I just thought that was like, that was a given. That's what I was going to do. And I never really thought of the logistics involved in getting married at home. And then when I started working nearly a decade ago in the wedding industry and then predominantly at a wedding venue, I realised actually what is involved in getting married at home. So when it came to my big day, because, you know, let me reiterate, it's not about me. But if it was, when it came to my big day, I... It was it was different, of course, because I am in the industry. And so I did already have a lot of knowledge and a lot of help. And I knew a lot of suppliers already. And, you know, I'm really lucky in that my mum, my uh, the other listener um, to this podcast is like crazy creative. Like she is incredibly talented 
at a lot of different things, but she's got an amazing natural eye. Like her floral arrangements are next level. She's incredible and she don't work. I mean, she works. She's a mother. And speaking as a mother myself, is there but a harder job on planet Earth? We're grown up now. She doesn't work. She does yoga. Um, but she, therefore, had the time, the inclination and the talent to help me. So I always knew that when I got engaged, really, it was my mum and I that were <laughs> going to be planning the wedding. And James knew um, way before he proposed that that was always going to be the idea that we would get married back home where my parents are, where I grew up. And that it was what it was. I didn't even go and look at venues. That's just how we were going to do it. There is so much to think about, like I say. So I'm just going to give you like a rough lowdown of, of a few bits and pieces, because if you are choosing to get married at home, now you, Rebecca Kate, are getting married at your own home. Now that's that's a lot, because then you know what? It, it could get ruined. And that's your home. Why would you choose to ruin your own home when you could ruin someone else's, like your parents? It's January and people keep saying, oh, what? Did you did you host Christmas? No. Why would I host Christmas when I have a mother and a mother-in-law that are perfectly able to do that for me? Why would I put myself in that position? Hmm? Why would you get married? <laughs> I mean, that's amazing if you can. How lucky are you, right? That's the other thing, isn't it? Is that actually if you've got the space, um, that use it 100%. So space, that's the big thing, space. Where are you going to do it? Time of year counts for a lot. If generally speaking, when people say I'm getting married at home, you're you're talking a spring summer wedding because nine times out of ten, getting married at home means I've got a big garden or or a field, rather than I've got a beautiful manor house <laughs> that can cater for a party in the middle of winter in my backyard. Like it's it generally speaking, we're talking about an outside space. So generally speaking, people are talking about spring summer weddings. My wedding, again, not about me. My wedding was in autumn and there was a storm brewing. So it wasn't, it was a risky game. But then that's just even more things that you have to consider and more sort of boxes that you have to tick when you're looking at the space and the market and all the rest of it, all that jazz. So generally speaking, when you're looking at the space that you have, you do have to consider the time of year. So most people, when they have the opportunity to get married at home, there's just one space, right? It's just the, the the front garden or the field. And so that's it. That's what you're looking at. You don't have choices like you would at a venue. You know, you can have your ceremony in this room and your drink reception in that room and dancing in that room. You're looking at one space. So that's really the first thing to consider. Everyone's together. Now that I love. I love that because there are some venues that um, cater more, to more, more towards intimate weddings but are capable of larger weddings. But sometimes that means that the guests are split up. So it means that you're not all in the same room for the dinner even, which can happen. Like if you have a big wedding party, but you're having it in an old manor house, sometimes you're split up into different rooms. I don't love that. I think that changes the dynamic of the whole thing, to be honest. So that is, I think, a really good thing about having one space. So we're in England and it could be bloody June, July, August and shit going to be rainy. Do you know what I mean? So you're going to need some kind of shelter. <laughs> now that makes me sound like I'm waiting for a bus. Well, I, I'm going to go more glam and I'm going to call it an installation. Oh, yeah. Basically a tent. OK, guys, you're going to need some sort of a tent. So you're, 
the options out there now are like unbelievable because it, now it's not even marquee companies, TP companies, tents, everything else. It's not just the getting married at home weddings. It's people are hiring these great, gorgeous, huge, impressive manor houses, but they're not using them. They're using the gardens to put the marquee in. So a lot of people choose to have a marquee wedding, whether it's at their home or not. And there are so many different styles of installation slash shelter that you can look for. So you've got the super, super glam, like completely glass covered, essentially like a massive greenhouse, which are just, oh my God, absolutely dreamy. Like they're the celebrity ones that you see. And I love that idea. But they are mega, mega bucks. You've got something really, really traditional. You've got um, like a rustic marquee with the poles in the middle and maybe not even with a lining, which makes it look even more rustic, which is really, really good for like a DIY kind of English garden party wedding. Teepees are super, super popular now. I do think instantly a teepee gives you a lot more of a relaxed vibe, especially if you want like a festival style wedding. There's just certain things that don't, I think, don't work in a teepee. <laughs> that sounds strange, doesn't it? But there are certain things I just think don't work in a teepee. For example, round tables, I don't think it works. You've got to think about the logistics and the number of people because, again, it's it's an odd shape, a teepee. But speak to the companies because they'll have different sizes, different shapes, different layouts of these tents, these installations. So they will work with you and your guest numbers and the space that you've got at home. So you want to look at the style of tent slash marquee that you want to use. And it's not just the sort of the outside um, and the the beams and the bars and the blocks and the poles. God, can you tell? I've never worked at a marquee company. I don't know what I'm talking about. But you, it's not just that, that you, you know, the fabric. For example, you know, we had a, a traditional white marquee with a lining. So actually inside, it was a bit more sort of glam, I suppose, than a teepee would be that is a more rustic fabric. So you want to think about little elements like that. And then you've got to think about the flooring. So I would say as soon as you decide what style of tent or marquee or teepee that you want, speak to a company and get them to do a site visit. Get them to come over and get them to see the space. And they will tell you, they'll say, no, you know, this is too hilly. You're going to have to flatten out the garden. Do you want to do that? Do you want to, is that a thing you want to do? Is that, is this an excuse to finally get it done? Um, or do you think, no, I can't be asked to do that. This is stupid. Do you want it, is it going to be on grass? Or is it going to be on concrete? Is it going to be on gravel? It can't have gravel. Good Lord, it can't have gravel. You've got to think about all these things because also if it does rain, it will flood. So you have to get the, get the pros out. Get the pros out and give them a site visit. Um, and they'll tell you where you're blessed, your best place to put the, the structure and what kind of structure would be best for that space and also for the style of wedding that you're going for. So get them out. They'll talk to you all about that, but they'll also talk to you about flooring. Um, a lot of brides are very funny about carpet, you know. I mean, I get it. Like, no one wants an ugly carpet, do they? Especially not on their wedding day. Um, speak to them about flooring. Uh, also dance floor. Um, quite often the the company that you go to for your structure will um, not only provide the flooring for the tent, but they'll also provide some sort of a dance floor. It's quite nice, I think, to have a different floor for the dance floor. It's a, like I'm saying floor a lot, you know. Um, I thought I was getting better at this podcast malarkey. Something people don't think about 
it's heating. Even if you are getting married in June, we are in England. I can't stress I can't stress it enough. I'm terrible at geography, but I know which country I'm in. We are in England. You cannot guarantee the heat. So think about having heaters in the tent, even if it's at nighttime, even if you get them just in case, even if you say to your, your supplier, look, I don't think we'll need it, but do you have them there? How, how close to the date can I book them in? You know, so if you can check the weather like a week or two before, actually it's looking a bit stormy or we've had a, we've had a really dodgy summer this year, you know, then you can book them in at a later stage. That's fine. But you just, you just have to ask all these questions. And then once you've got the set up of the main structure, the main thing that people forget about are the bloody loos. I can't tell you how expensive port-a-loos are. It's quite ridiculous. And they are fancy. You can get some seriously nice port-a-loos. I've not been to many music festivals, but I, I feel like in, at music festivals or port-a-loos, you have one of two choices. You have either a long drop... <laughs> A long drop or a portally. Okay, so like essentially a long drop, you like walk up the stairs and then you go in and then it just all drops. Like I find it weirdly fascinating. I've done it once and I had to look. <laughs> it's like so gross. But anywho, um, and then you've got the portaloos that it's all sort of there in the cabin, but then you've got the fear that you'll get locked in and it'll go upside down. That happened in a movie, I think. It's always been like my biggest fear of a portaloo. So you you don't want... You've got to think about these things. And actually, they are so expensive and they can be so ridiculously, unnecessarily sophisticated. But you don't want, pardon the pun, a shit portaloo. You don't. If you're having a wedding at home, it's a wedding, okay? It's a wedding. People are going to be dressed up. They're going to have made an effort. You don't want them to come in their nice glam and their heels and their makeup and be traipsing, <laughs> traipsing upstairs to a long drop. Okay, actually, do you know what? I'm just going to say it now. You cannot have a long drop at your wedding, like the end. I don't care if that makes me sound like a twat. I'm, I'm putting it out there now. Hashtag no long drops at a wedding. Okay, I unacceptable. But your portaloos as well should be pretty nice. <laughs> there, it, it's not like just the green block that you get on a building site. Again, I'm saying no to that. You, you can get some pretty fancy portaloos. I feel like you can get ones with changing rooms in. That's too much. A little portaloo tip from me to you, okay? The only thing... That was actually one of the things I really hated the most about getting married at home was having to have portaloos. And you do need them because you, even if you're getting married in the garden, even if you've got 20 people and you've got two bathrooms in the house, you just don't want people coming in and out your house. Top tip, lock the doors. Lock the doors of the house. You don't want people in your home. It's just a recipe for disaster. So back to my portaloo tip, <laughs> full of them. Um, you get that blue dye, don't you, in the toilet? And my thing was like, I can't, I'm wearing a white wedding dress. I can't have bloody blue dye all over my white wedding dress. And I had like seven layers of my wedding dress. It was a big dress. It, I had to step into it. So first and foremost, I ain't going to the loo alone because that requires some heavy lifting. The dress I refer to. Um, and secondly, I found that especially if you have a long train at the back of your dress, if you sit on the toilet facing the back, so like the opposite way that you would ordinarily, I hope, sit on a toilet, then the dress, there's more space for the dress. <laughs> it's, 
And that's mental, isn't it? That you even have to think about like how you're logistically going to go to the toilet when you get married at home. But that you have to think about that. Although I do think if you're getting married at home and you're the bride, you can probably go to the loo inside. I'll let that happen. You can have a little key for the for the uh, in, inside toilet because you know it's your day. <laughs> Certain luxuries that you should you should allow yourself. So you've got the structure, you've got the heating, you've got the floors, you've got the lighting. Lighting is key. A lot of festoons, loads of candles. Make sure that candles are all right. Fairy lights galore. You can never, ever have too many fairy lights of any description. Chandeliers, um, great big, I was just going to say great big balls. I can't say balls. I find balls strange. I have to say balls. Off topic. Um, You've got to think about the cutlery, the crockery, the glassware, the plates, the chairs, the linens, the tables. Do you want trestle tables? Do you want round tables? Do you want oval tables? Like that's the thing now. Um, and all of this needs to be sourced by you. This is why a lot of people who get married at home have wedding planners. And I do think if you've got room in the in the budget, I encourage it. There are so many incredible wedding planners out there. And if you don't have a wedding planner, you should at the very least have an on-the-day coordinator because you don't have access to that. If you were at a venue, you would have an event manager that came with the venue. If you're getting married in a field or at home or in a garden or what have you, and you don't have an on-site event manager, sweet Lord, if you do anything, get one. Because honest to God, it is not worth the hassle to not have one. You will be pestered all day and it is your day. You don't want to have to deal with granny wanting a cup of tea or cousin Jimmy being sick in the bush, okay? That is not your story. <laughs> it's your wedding day. So you have to think about all these things and you have to source all these supplies. So if you have a wedding planner, this is a big part of their job. So they will take on that stress for you. If you are doing it all yourself, then fine. Allow yourself enough time. There's so much choice out there. There's so many supplies. None of it's cheap. I hate the word cheap and I hate using it when it comes to weddings. Inexpensive, is that what we're supposed to say? I'm cheap. I'm expensive to run, but I'm cheap to myself. <laughs> um, so take your time to really do your recon, do your research, find the kind of suppliers that you like, um, what they do, how they do it. Make sure you read their T's and C's and things like that. Especially with cutlery and crockery. It sounds silly, but like, do you have to hand it back clean? Ain't nobody want to do that. Ain't nobody want to do that. You do not want to be cleaning glasses and knives and forks the day after your wedding. It's just, just you don't want to be doing it. So you've got to think about all these things. Also your caterer. So your caterer is probably going to bring a lot of it or they're at least going to know who to contact to bring a lot of it. And it will undoubtedly be a company they work with often. So that's really good as well. If you can get suppliers that know each other or are like from the same area or things like that, it might save you a bit of a travel time maybe or things like that. Because staffing as well, you've got to consider. Um you know, the, the caterers may bring the staffing for the food, but will they provide the staffing for the drinks reception or for the evening party? Because then you've got a bar. Who's going to man the bar? Do not have a free-for-all bar where there's no one in charge. Like, it will be absolute carnage. It's bad enough when you have a bar that's an open bar, that's not a pay bar, so everything's essentially free to your guests, right? I mean, you paid for it, you poor bugger, but free to them. It's bad. That's bad enough because people take the piss. They forget that somebody's paying for it. They forget. And, you know, we've all been there. <laughs> I always think it's the cousins, like the teenage cousins that forget the, the most. Um, but they will forget. So they will have like a gin and tonic because they think it sounds fancy and they'll have a sip and they'll put it down and they'll go for a dance. They'll come back and it's gone. But 
like at a venue, for example, someone's paid for that, right? And you've had one sip. So do not let people just help themselves to the booze willy-nilly. It will be an absolute shit show. So you want to think about the bar, how you're going to structure the bar, and also who's going to man it. Again, there are companies out there for all of this. So there are companies that, that just do that, that just do bar hire for weddings. And you can work out all sorts of different payment methods. So it could be a completely open bar to your guests, or you could subsidize it. You could have a tab. Um, so, so look for suppliers that are flexible in how they deliver that service. One of the best things about getting married at home is that you are not restricted on timings. So nine times out of 10, a venue will cut you off. Just cut you off, get out. We'll kick you out at midnight, maybe one o'clock. Um, to be honest, I, I, even if you don't have a curfew, so to speak, I honestly think one o'clock should be the absolute latest. Otherwise, it just gets silly and like it's a long day. You've had so much fun already. You don't want it to just become a bit sour at the end and just be full of the really, really drunk ones hanging on, you know, because that's usually me. So I can tell you with absolute certainty, it's unnecessary. So the, but the good thing is, is that you don't have a time limit. It also means nine times out of 10 that the company providing the marquee or tent or structure will be installing that maybe a day or two days, most likely before the event. And then they will be not be taking it down until two days after. So generally speaking, if you're having a wedding on a Saturday, um, which I think most at-home weddings are because, of course, you're not competing with the availability calendar. So you can really choose your date, which is a, another great side to it. Um, so if you're getting married on the Saturday, quite often they will install the tent marquee um, on the Thursday and then you will have all of Friday to set up, wedding on the Saturday, something on the Sunday, and then they'll pick it up on the Monday. Nine times out of 10, that's how it works. And actually, I think that's brilliant because it lends itself to so many options for your wedding weekend. It's generally the same price regardless. That's just the price it is. It's not like you pay per day. That's the price for that weekend. So you've got it there. You might as well utilize it. The day before your wedding is so much fun. It is so much fun. We had two days, I think, before our wedding um, and there was like 30 people there um, and we were all doing, like I say, my mum is just crazy talented. So she had all of her friends come over and they were all doing the flowers because we did all that ourselves. We did, you know, I would sort of set up the table and then my bridesmaids and my friends and everyone were there to sort of repeat that. So we set all the cutlery and crockery up ourselves, all the decorations, the name places, all of that. We did all of it. And it was a lot, like it was stressful, but it was so much fun. Like everyone in it together. We had cups of tea and cake and those funny little things you get at the airport that go over your shoes so that we didn't get the carpet dirty. And my nephew, who was like seven months, he was just tottering around the place. It was really, really lovely that day, that setup day, really lovely. And it's quite often more fun than the day itself, to be honest. Um, because there's less stress on you. There's less pressure on you as as the couple getting married. So you've got that flexibility in terms of timing, which is lovely. It does mean that you have more to do, of course. But then again, you see, you can have your wedding planner, you can have an on-the-day coordinator, or you could have a stylist. There are some incredible stylists out there that will style your at-home wedding, like from, from scratch. They will look at a completely blank canvas and they will come up with a scheme and they will style it and they will be there to set everything out, to lay it all up and make it look flawless. There's one 
Kirsten, little wedding helper, who's local to me. She's an absolute babe. I adore her. And she's coming on a future uh, podcast episode. So we'll get all the info from her. But she's brilliant. So stylists, look for a stylist if that's if that's what you want and you don't have time or sort of for the foresight to do that yourself. And then, of course, you've got the day itself. And then you've got the day after. And like I say, if you've got the marquee there anyway, and if there is room in the budget, why not do something the day after? We did. And it was, again, more fun than the day itself. It was brilliant. I was actually very restrained with my alcohol consumption on my wedding day. Well, you know, till like midnight. And then, and then the next day, well, hell for leather. Because we could. Because, again, less pressure. The downside to that is, of course, the cleanup. The upside is, well, stressful to some, but to me, the upside is, is doing it all yourself, putting it all out there, decorating, making memories, having laughs and putting some music on, dancing around the marquee and all that stuff. Brilliant. You know, it also means you're not kicked out on the day so you can stay later if you want, ever, send everyone else home and you and your new husband or wife can just have a little dance or a little kutch on the dance floor when everyone else is gone because it's your house, you can do whatever the hell you want. But then you've got to clean it up. You've got to clean it up. Can you? I think I feel like you could hire people to do that too. You know, I mean, I offer that as a service, <laughs> but I've done that before for weddings. Um, but it is yes, that is the downside to it. Now, my dad is very uh, regimented, and he's also probably the reason why I'm so cheap because he is and. <laughs> He, um, you have to return all the cutlery and the crockery and the glassware, right, to your caterers and to the marquee people and all that jazz because everyone was coming on the Monday after our Saturday wedding uh, to collect everything. All the suppliers come and they collect everything and you've got to have everything there and that's quite stressful in itself. There will, of course, be breakages and things will be lost and stuff, but generally speaking, you need to round everything up, put it all together and have it ready to collect on the Monday. Uh, we'd lost, I think it was two teaspoons, a knife and a side plate. Now, that probably would have cost him, I don't know, £17 to replace. No, not even that. What am I talking about? <laughs> what were these made of? Pure gold? No, it would, have been, it would have been like less than a tenner to replace. But it was the principle of the thing for my dad. So the poor bugger spent the entire Sunday party looking for these missing items. It was, it was quite something to behold, actually. We were all sort of, we had to line up, you know, one side of the table on the Monday morning before the team came to collect everything. You know, right, you, you look there, you look there, you look here. Now this is a teaspoon. Memorize it, visualize it, go and find it. It was, it was quite a thing. So you do have to think about the cleanup. And it is a lot to clean up. If it's one hell of a wedding, then it is one hell of a cleanup. It also, you know, if you're going to do it the day after your wedding, you don't you don't want to do it. I mean, no one wants to do it, but you don't want to do it. Um, I would book your honeymoon to start an hour after you leave the wedding. So you don't have to. But do think about all that less glam side of things. Because it is, like I say from the start, it is a lot more work. But it is it gives you a lot more flexibility in terms of the timings and things like that. You know, you can do what you want and you can do it how you want. If you have neighbours, then I would consider neighbours. I would consider letting them know that you're having a giant um, party. Sorry, wedding. Um, and that there might be some loud music. So where I got married is is the Arthur of nowhere, but there are people, and actually because it's in the countryside, sound travels, right? So you have to um, <laughs> you have to realise that 
when you're having a party or something, people, neighbours, even though they're your neighbours and you don't see them because they're actually two miles away, they're going to hear it. So um, we went round the week before to just the few sort of neighbouring houses um, and said, you know, very sweetly, oh, hi, uh, we're getting married. Oh, my God, so in love, 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 love. And um, it's going to be loud because, you know, we love a party, <laughs> booze and dancing. And uh, sorry in advance, not sorry. I mean, I was probably more polite than that. Nah, I wasn't. Um, but it, I think that's a good point, actually. If you're not inviting your neighbours, then at least have the courtesy to let them know that that's what's happening. You want to word that carefully. You don't want to be like, do you mind if I have my wedding at home? You want to say, I'm having my wedding at home. I just wanted to let you know it's only one night, you know, fingers crossed it won't happen again. <laughs> Marriages end sometimes. And just let them know because what you don't want is the police showing up. Oh my God, can you imagine on your wedding day if someone makes a complaint? So you need to think about um, not just your space and your guests, but also the people around you and, and how having your wedding might affect them. You know, logistically, like parking. Where are you going to park your cars? Um, ceremony as opposed to reception space, if it's not all in the same place, how are you going to get your guests there? Perhaps hire a minibus. Um, but then if it's on a farm, for example, do you have country lanes that will allow a minibus? So again, a lot more logistics to think about. Um, but one of the plus sides, I think, to getting married at home is no corkage. So corkage, um, for those who don't know, is a charge that venues will uh, put on if you are to bring your own alcohol. And, I mean, basically, for, for venues and caterers, alcohol and food, um, apart from the base venue hire, is really where they make their money. So I get it. You know, if you're going to bring in your own booze, then there's going to be a fee. Um, and I do understand that. But if you're getting married at home, you don't have to. Who are you going to pay? Your dad? He ain't going to open all those bottles. You might have to pay uh, like a service charge to your caterers or the staff um, because it is the logistics of storing the alcohol, keeping it cool, keeping it refrigerated and then like serving it and then cleaning up afterwards. So that is something to consider. There might be some sort of a corkage fee or service fee to your caterers and your, and your staffing team. But generally speaking, there's no corkage. So you can have as much bloody booze as you want. However, you cannot run out. You cannot run out. If you are getting married in the arse end of nowhere, I need to stop using that phrase, then you can't run out. People cannot just hop over the road to the, to the offy and replenish. So you've got to have enough. You could do a booze cruise. You can go over um, to France and, and fill, a, fill a van. But to be honest, you know, I'm not going to get political, but with Brexit, will that really save much money? That's all I can say because I don't understand it all. <laughs> Majestic, for example, and a lot of those big sort of um, wine warehouses, they call themselves, will do a sale or a term. So that's a really good scheme. Buy way more than you think you're going to need and then you can always return it. Worst case scenario, you know, we bought all ours in advance. Um, worst case scenario, you get left with it. You get left with some and then you're, you've just got it there, haven't you? Or you can give a bottle out to people's thank you presents, maybe, um, which is actually a really lovely idea. If you have a specific wine that is like your wedding wine, that's quite a nice thing to do to, to give them out to people as a thank you gift for the ginormous wedding gifts that they have, in fact, gifted you. So <laughs> that is certainly one of the perks is that you can buy 
what booze and how much booze you want. I mean, that's the perk of it all, right? Isn't it? Getting married at home is that you can do whatever the hell you want. That's the whole point. It's a lot more work. There is a lot more to think about. It is in no way less expensive to get married at home than it is to get married at a venue of sorts. It's going to cost you a lot less to get married in a, in a lovely village hall than it is to have a marquee put up in your garden. Like that, it is what it is. There are ways around the expense. Think outside the box. It is hard to, I think, it is hard to have a glam wedding, like a super luxe looking wedding on a budget. But if you want something that is more low key, more relaxed, and is more like garden party wedding, which is can be absolutely beautiful, think outside the box when it comes to suppliers. So perhaps you can get your tables and chairs from the local village hall or the local scouts club or guides club, brownies. I don't know what they call them these days. I only did brownies until we got sort of the eating badge. I think it was the cooking badge, but I just ate what I cooked. And then, you know, flowers. Again, do you do you have a granny that loves to grow flowers? Can she grow wildflowers? You can bring those in, vases, you know, do you want to buy them or rent them? If you buy them, you can sell them afterwards. If you rent them, it's a lot less faff. It's a lot easier, but of course, more expensive. It's all of this that, that why people have wedding planners. Because <laughs> it's just a hell of a lot to think about. But it, honestly, I do think if you can do it, it is wonderful. But also if you can't, I think as long as you pick somewhere, as long as you pick a wedding venue that means something to you, and if it doesn't mean anything to you, at least make it look good. Because really, you know, that's really what matters, isn't it? <laughs> I hope this has been helpful and I haven't just bloody waffled on about my own wedding. I don't feel like I've given you enough of an insight into my own nuptials, if I'm totally honest. Maybe I'll do an episode purely based on that. And I'll let you know in the description so you can just bypass that week. All right. Thank you so much for listening. It really does mean the world. If you find this podcast even remotely helpful or moderately entertaining, share with all your friends and family. You can DM me any questions, queries, if you want to share any stories on the podcast Instagram at I'll Marry You Podcast. Get in touch. I want to hear all your tall tales. See you soon. I'll Marry You is a podcast by Olivia Coleman. The music is Mr. Sunnyface by Wayne Jones, and the show is produced and edited by Drew Toynbee.